Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Cells podcast, the podcast where we talk about society, culture, and relationships from a male and female perspective. Today, we are talking about deep fakes and AI porn. Not the happiest topic today, but there's a lot to talk about because this is a very pertinent issue that's going to affect all of us if it hasn't already in the next couple of years. And we'll get into that at the three minute mark. Uh, a couple of announcements before we delve into that topic. The first one is if you don't know already, we have a YouTube channel for this podcast specifically, youtube.com slash at sex sales podcast. You need the at in there, but it's youtube.com slash at sex sales podcast. Full video versions of the podcast on there, all for free. And we're going to put clips uh, as well in YouTube shorts and maybe some highlights and all sorts of things. Uh, and just go and subscribe to youtube.com slash at sex sales podcast. Get to see our beautiful faces instead of just listening to our uh, incredible voices. So why wouldn't you subscribe? <laughs> and you can uh, involve yourself in the comment discussion there, which I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, we are sponsored by Crush Organics. Go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off their entire range of CBD oils and CBD oil adjacent products. I've been taking the gummies every night before sleep. It's so hot here and mm. my air condition is great, but uh, I try not to keep it on during the night and I sleep like a baby with these gummies. So go get, yeah, I have gummies to sleep. That's how much of a baby I am, but <laughs> hey, they work. So go get some Crush Organics gummies, uh, Crush Organics, Crush with a K, use the code Neil, N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. I've also been using the pain cream. It's fantastic. Strongly recommend. Uh, do you want to see a comedy show? Why wouldn't you? Everyone loves laughter. Uh, in Sydney, we have weekly comedy untamed shows every Thursday at the Potts Point Hotel. In Melbourne, every single Thursday at the Speakeasy Theatre just near Southern Cross Station. The Melbourne show is going super, super well. And all the comedians that are a part of that regularly are amazing. Big shout out to Rohan, Peter and Casey. Casey is killing it. She's going to be famous. So go, go follow Casey Gothard. Anyway, because she, she, if there's anyone that's definitely going to be famous in a couple of years, it's her. Uh, also, yes, we do queen. monthly shows in Newcastle and and Geelong. There should be a Geelong show on sale, the first ever monthly Comedy Untamed show in Geelong. We're planning to do Brisbane soon as well. Taking over the country, ComedyUntamed.com. All right, deep fakes and AI porn. Let's go. All right. This is not a nice topic. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a deep fake is deep fakes are synthetic synthetic medium which a person in an existing image or video is replaced with someone else's likeness. So they are very accurate video or photo photographic portrayals of people, and they can make them say whatever they want them to say. And AI porn, it's pretty self-explanatory, but it uses deep fakes to project someone's head onto a onto a body and make it seem like they are in a pornographic video, almost always without the people's consent. Uh, there's a few pretty scary statistics here. Uh, according to a survey conducted by cybersecurity firm DeepTrace, there were 15,000 deepfake videos online as of 2019, up from just 7,964 in December 2018, and I have no doubt that has increased tenfold since 2019. Mm. Um, mm. A report by the cybersecurity company Sensity estimates that there are currently over 330,000 330, deepfake videos online, with the majority of these being pornographic in nature. And yeah, this is not good. It's particularly not good for people who are underage. It's pretty scary. It's unethical. And it's disgusting. So we got to do something about it. Uh, it seems like this technology is is evolving at such a rapid pace that I wonder what we can even do about it, whether we just have mm. to accept that it's going to exist and maybe there has to be some sort of regulation for people who are real human beings to just notify everyone in that photo or in that video that, hey, this is not AI generated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, mm. the potential for, for harm, for political malfeasance, for revenge porn, uh, for... Uh, you know, fake videos to generate fake news and to drum up political instability is uh, significant. So, Eliza, what do you? What's your broad take on deepfakes and AI porn? Oh, and it is 
terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. And a really good example, I don't know if you've seen this um, on TikTok, there's an account called Unreal Robert or Unreal Keanu Reeves. And it's basically a guy, um, the what the Robert Patterson one, it's a guy using him as a deep fake. And it looks, I was showing it to Adrian before, trying to explain what deep fake is. And he didn't understand it. He's like, that's Robert Patterson. Just, and I'm like, no, it's deep. It's not him. It's just his face on someone's body, but it looks exactly like someone. He blinks, it's Robert Patterson's face blinking. Like when he talks, it's Robert Patterson's face talking. It's so scary how um, specifically like on point it is to being that person. Um, and then, so that's deep fake. And then AI obviously is used to make it, but AI now can generate people that don't even exist for porn. Um, I saw a photo circulating of these four girls. It was like an erotic photo and they were all, uh, you might've seen it's really popular, these four blonde girls and they all have like the same face. So you could think, oh, maybe they're quadruplets or something, but the whole internet was divided on whether or not this was an AI generated photo there in lingerie or if it was um, actually four girls. Um, yeah, I saw that one. They look so realistic. Yeah. And then there's even things like TikTok has like news reporters reporting on the news that are AI and they're like going around the, blo- around the clock, always making news reports and you cannot tell for the life of you that they are AI. Um, it's just like fascinating and terrifying. But specifically with porn, um, of course, I just a little example um, of a little story I came across this morning was there is a famous, oh, I don't know if he's famous, but there's a Twitch streamer and his name is Brandon Ewing, I think, something like that. And I can't remember his um his his Twitch name, sorry, but he's quite popular. And in one of his videos, you could see in the background that he was looking at deep fake porn of his colleague female Twitch streamers. And these weren't the Twitch streamers that are using that as like a boost to their OnlyFans or even being sexy. They were serious girl gamers um, that didn't know that deep fake pornography had been made of them. Um, and they felt Extremely, one of them, her name was Cutie Princess, like QT, the letters princess. And she was saying like sh- she was so shocked. Um, she didn't know that these had been made about her. And also like as a woman, she's trying to compete with men on this and or work alongside men and just to be sexualized in that way and without consent either. Anyway, this Twitch streamer, uh, Brandon, he had to make a apology (laughs) oh my god I watched a bit of the video it's so uncomfortable he made a formal apology on the video with his wife crying in the background of the whole video saying that I just came across the link on um on Pornhub and yeah I looked into it and then I found like my colleagues um and he was like I want women on Twitch to feel safe I'm so ashamed and then it like comes down to all these ethics like you know if you're someone that says well, I'm not comfortable with my partner watching a girl he knows on OnlyFans or OnlyFans at all because it's got that kind of parasocial relationship, then do those same ethics and boundaries apply to deepfake or AI porn where it could be someone you know but it's not actually even them? It's just so complicated um, and there's so many things I want to go into about this today because it's it's terrifying. And then not to mention, like you said, with young people. So those stats that you were talking about before, it was 96% of deep fakes on the internet are pornographic. And then that same stat, which was what you were talking about by deep trace technologies said that virtually all pornographic deep fakes depicted women. Um, and then there are cases of women that have been fired. I read about a woman that was fired as a school teacher um, because of deep fake deep fake pornography but it was so realistic that they couldn't like determine that it wasn't actually her um so it's just so devastating the impact that this has especially on women um and the consent and then um the ethics behind it and also then there's this new term coming around called digital consent which I guess we have to get into that as well like how do we provide consent and do we as consumers need consent if they're not even real? And what happens when this is being done to children and their photos? Because there's no laws around it. There's literally 
like no law about this in certain countries. I mean, there's no laws about if the child themselves isn't being harmed and it's not an actual photo of a child, but it's an AI of a child. It's not breaking any laws, but yet it's child pornography. So when I started researching, so I actually had a couple of videos of um, Remy on my TikTok. I was giving him little like baby led weaning meagles and stuff like that. And it was cute. I had a few hundred likes. And my first red flag came up yesterday when someone commented saying, basically I gave him a meal and it was, I don't know, it had blackberries in it. And he had blackberries all over his face and his arms. He was covered in it. It was cute. And then someone commented saying, so adorable. What was the bath like afterwards? And I clicked on the profile. It was an old man. And I just thought this could be one of two things. It could be an innocent man saying, oh, this baby's covered with blackberries all over his face and hair. Like surely that'd be terrible bath. Or it could be a man saying, can you please describe what it was like bathing your baby boy. Um, and then when I look through the videos and I pause it, there's like there was images of, you know, me feeding Remy and he's leaning forward, opening his mouth, putting things in his mouth. And I was like, God, if these got in the wrong hand, they were up for a day, I deleted them all. <laughs> I deleted them all. Um, it just is so scary. And then, you know, there's this example of, I don't know if you've heard of this, Ren Eleanor, who's quite a famous um, like three-year-old, maybe she's four now, on TikTok and she's a really like pretty child and she's no her mother who runs the TikTok account is no one for being like ripped online because she will put um, like the out the, the photo cover, like the little preview of the daughter putting a sausage to her mouth or falling back with her legs in the air and things like that. And then other people that looked into it were finding that this little girl is all over like child pornographic websites, um, all these kind of things. So it's like, how do you protect yourself? How do you protect your children? It's it's such a scary Ugh. place. And the unfortunate thing is that the people that are being targeted are women and children. <laughs> um, well, maybe we should so, maybe yeah, we should delete that YouTube channel because we, we're <laughs> out there. Jesus. Um yeah, the ethics of this are a minefield because maybe mm. some people would say, well, how is this different to erotic fiction if someone writes a erotic comic book about famous figures? But mm, there's something that's a good there's point, something man, notably sure. pernicious about faking someone's head onto a body, making it look real, and then putting them in a compromising yeah. situation like a pornographic video. So I have no doubt there will be regulation about this coming sooner rather than later. I think... They'd have to make it illegal, but then also open up service providers for legal action or open up certain websites for legal action. And I think if they set a legal precedent there where, sorry, uh, if they make it so that you could, sorry, the cat's just uh, on the table, make it so that you can sue a website or a, or a provider of some sort that has hosted your deepfakes or AI porn, that would at least disincentivize um, people from posting them, but also force websites and companies to be much stricter with their cybersecurity laws. But uh, you just don't know. You could you could be on Pornhub and you wouldn't even know if you're watching a deepfake because there's not much regulation about who uploads onto some of those sites. And the more I read into a lot of this and the more I understand the implications of uh, – well, pornography in general, the more I think they should just ban it outright. I mean, there's mm. there's an argument there to be said about, uh, mm. you know, the, the progressive nature of the adult film industry and how it opens people up to different sexual identities and things of that nature. But I think the, the negatives are just so much more significant than the positives in this situation. And I think they should just ban it. Now, look, I, I really try to refrain from porn, but I'm also human and I watch it and I'm sure most of the men listening to this do, but it's not—it's mm. something I can live without. And if it's just completely inaccessible, I'd be fine. I'm pretty sure, and I'm sure most people would be, and I think society would be too. So, uh, I think they should just ban it outright. I don't—I don't see uh, what benefit to society this this porn in general has, and then that would go a long way to helping alleviate this issue of um, fake porn and mm. deep fake porn and AI porn and. Uh, I just can't see how any of this is good. This just puts so much more confusion into people's minds about whether what they're seeing is real news, fake news. Who even knows? You could weaponize this so easily because you just make a program. Okay, what is the what is the fact of a certain political issue or cultural issue? 
cool. Let's give me chat GPT. Give me a hundred articles interpreting that fact in various mm. different slants. Cool. Now mm. post those a hundred articles to these different websites that we've con- that we've created to uh, make the Overton window so that everyone's talking about that particular issue. I mean, the potential for control and manipulation of a population with this sort of technology is just unbelievable. And and I'm sure big media companies and nefarious actors are, have already caught on to this and are using this for, for these kind of means. And as you say, for children and for women in particular, this kind of deep fake porn issue is is notably harmful and there has to be some kind of legal punishment for, for people, especially if they're underage especially if they're making i i just can't see how it's any different if you are actually taking unsolicited pictures of a minor in a pornographic way i don't see how distributing a deep fake of that minor in a pornographic way is any different i I think the intention is similar Mm. they're just doing something for their gratification that goes completely against the general ethics of society at large and it should be punished the same way distribution of child porn is punished. I, I, I can't see why it wouldn't be. The one argument I've seen uh, against that is a lady called Ayala, who's a sex worker who's quite well-known on Twitter. And she said, she uh, copped a lot of flack for this tweet, but she said the way to alleviate pedophilia is to mass distribute AI deepfake child porn images so that real children are not being used in these uh, child porn rings and allow the pedophiles to just get off to the deepfakes in their own space and time and, and therefore no real children are harmed in that situation. And I I first read that and I had a pretty visceral reaction against that. I thought about it some more and the only point where something like that could be seen as viable is if you know for a fact if that pedophile does not get access to the deepfake porn, then they're going to go and seek out a real child but even then, it's a pretty hard sell, and I'm much more inclined to say just make all of this illegal and uh, have severe punishments, uh, either civil or criminal, for the distribution of these kind of AI, deepfake, pornographic content. Yeah, yeah. My understanding of that is that having giving access to people with pedophilia tendencies to this kind of imagery doesn't satiate their craving or desire for it, it only increases it. Like when you find that men, um, I'm, I shouldn't say men, I should say pedophiles, but, you know, most people that are caught are men, um, that when they uh, get child pornographic images, usually they have tens of thousands of them or videos and images on their computers. It's not just one or two or whatever. It's an endless supply. Um and I also know that the best way to support people with these tendencies, because there are people like genuine people, for example, if you have OCD, um, that's characterized by intrusive thoughts. And a really popular intrusive thought is believing you're a pedophile, even though you're not, um, and that sickens yourself about it. But there are people that really um, hate that about themselves and it's a mental health condition. Of course, pedophilia is a, you know... I can't really – anyway, my point is is that the best way to intervene on this is support and learning to how to curb those addictions, how to distract yourself, how to um, not – it's the same as an you treat it like you would an addict, like you're not going to give a heroin addict um, – what was that? The methadone program where they were like, well, give addicts – and this is still a thing – this methadone instead and then they become addicted to that and then they have to come off that it's just you know it's giving them one source of the same thing essentially or slightly better or more ethical isn't going to address the root of the addiction um or the desire or the paraphilia or whatever so it's um it's really hard i remember that uh, argument coming up as well when we were talking about sex dolls being produced and people would get them produced with like I want a four-foot woman with no breasts and a very childlike face where basically they were getting children's bodies. Um, 
made for them. And then it was like, should that be legal or illegal for the exact same argument as that? So there's so many kind of questions that come into it and so many ethics and concerns, um, especially regarding yeah, children, which is really, really scary to think about where these photos are getting taken. Like I'm very conscious of what images go online um, or when I see photos, like I've seen, I've seen photos and videos on TikTok that people have done. There's one woman and she is very pro breastfeeding and she's this beautiful, voluptuous woman and she's got these huge, the hugest tits I've ever seen, like massive boobs. But she videos herself breastfeeding her um, toddler in public. And it's a hit. the toddler's like a three-year-old boy. So one video that's really viral is she's pushing the kid in a trolley and she's just got her boob out in the supermarket. And the, boob, and the kid's holding the boob, drinking from it, like with – his face in it and two hands on either side of the boob or whatever. And of course I'm like, great. She's extended breastfeeding's amazing. Um, you know, she's normalizing breastfeeding in public, but that image and the images of your children and those videos are getting into the wrong hands and you can't avoid it, especially when it goes viral like that. So whether or not that's a right or wrong thing to do to have it recorded and putting it on the internet, as much as you want to fight against, you know, it's easy to say, and it's true to say, you know, this shouldn't be sexualized. This is normal. I'm feeding my child. It's still going to be sexualized. And those videos can be saved, screen recorded and distributed. Um, and I see that all the time. I called, um, I made a child protection um, report once when I came across a video on TikTok of this woman who first she had a video of her kissing her baby who was just in a nappy head to toe and she had all these like and she was wearing red lipstick and she had all these um, lipstick marks on its thighs Um, and then the next video up was her kissing the toddler on the mouth for at least five six seconds and then taking a break and doing it again on the train with the dad recording with in just silence just all these things but it it was passionate kissing as well not just lips on lips (sighs) Um, where people are like let's normalize this but God, those those poor kids, that is going to be everywhere. Like yeah. uh, there's so much coming out now as well about pedophile rings and Instagram profiles. There's this girl, I can't remember the na- her name for the life of me. I wish I did now, but she has an Instagram dedicated to basically she saw all these like young model p- pictures of um, eight-year-old girls on her um, For You page or her Explore page on Instagram and she kept being like, why are these on my explore? It's like Instagram is promoting them. And then she'd go onto them and they had like 100,000 likes. But it would be like of the girl, a literal little girl in year three, stretching, doing the splits in underwear in front of the TV and stuff like that. And then the comments are just full and full of men sending love hearts, saying you look hot, such a gorgeous girl. Um, so people that put their children on the internet like that really make me sick. And then to think about when you add AI and deep fake porn into this, there's a porn star actually, I don't know her name. Sorry, I'm so bad with names today. And she's like a 30 something year old woman or a 30 year old woman. She's very attractive. She's a very famous porn star and she uses AI to make herself like give herself like the face of a 12 year old basically. Um, and she said like, oh, it makes me sick, but like, this is how I make money. And my, the consumer base is huge for this. So she has like a petite body and like small boobs. So she just makes herself look like a child. It's so, uh, it's so sick and it's so sad, but it's also one of those things. It's like, what are the ways that you can overcome this? I was watching this video before about how true porn is basically going to be replaced by AI porn. And is that a positive thing or is it a negative thing? <laughs> no one can tell. Um, I have no idea either. Like I don't even <laughs> I don't things, even have an answer for that. A lot of things about porn are very fake. Uh, so, well, yeah. may as well just have fake people. Uh, but yeah. yeah, there are certain things you, you just shouldn't normalize and certain things mm. where uh sex positivity becomes a trojan horse for pedophilia yeah. and yeah. 
you have to be very careful of these kind of utopian views of uh, human nature where, okay, it's just because people have been socialized in a way to find these things sexual that they're going to find it sexual. And by no means am I sort of digitally victim blaming in this situation, yeah. but I'm just saying that in a, in a world of 8 billion people, there are always going to be some people with uh, unhealthy and unethical proclivities and when you give a lot of freedom to people and all this new advanced technology, those people are going to use that for nefarious means and thus it just makes logical sense to leave some things off limits culturally and especially online. And so uh, I, I just can't see how we don't take a step back with how much people can post and what people post and, and what there is necessarily to to normalize without necessarily uh, blaming the the people who are just innocently putting images out there, there's just uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of creeps out there, and you can't avoid that. You can you can punish that, but when when you got the internet and the internet is global, there can be someone in a little village somewhere halfway across the world on a VPN doing something. It was like, what do you do? You know, you, do, you don't have an international judicial system that can punish that person. Yeah. And what are the laws in one country compared to another country? And yeah, I, I can't really see how more digital regulation isn't going to be the uh, obvious step forward here. But then that poses more concerns, like how much can the government regulate our digital lives? How much should they regulate our digital lives? Because two years ago, they, they started the Online Safety Commission here in Australia. And I read that entire bill and most of it was uh, to prevent child porn. That's how it was written. Uh, all wow. of this is to prevent child porn, the Online Safety Commission. And then there's this little section there saying, oh, we're going to give powers to this uh, one commissioner to decide what is considered bullying online, what is considered menacing, and the provider could face yeah. legal action and the person who made those remarks online could face criminal action. So that's terrible. That's extremely dystopian. This one person shouldn't be able to decide what is considered bullying online. Yet because it was sandwiched in this bill that's all about the prevention of child porn, it would have been political suicide to come out and say, no, I'm against the Online Safety Commission. Yeah. So that, I felt, was a very sneaky yeah. little plot to get more control for, for the government to uh, restrict what we say online uh, by cloaking it uh, amidst the bill to restrict what we put out online, which you know, no one's against that. Everyone wants uh, you know, organizations that are preventing the distribution of, of child born and things like this, deep fakes and, and AI. But it is a it is a political and legal minefield and I'm sure the best legal and political minds are working on it right now. But uh, the technology keeps advancing at such a rapid rate that we don't even know what it's going to be like in five years. So it's hard to regulate for what the digital world will look like in uh, 2025, let alone 2035. And mm -hmm. the way ch chat GPT and AI is going, um, in another 20 years, they, they could it, we could actually be in a science fiction movie where there are just actual robots that look like humans interacting as humans would, just taking in all the information and, and possibly processing and learning at a rate faster than the average human. So we're... we're actually moving towards uh, a science fiction dystopian reality and literally look it could be uh it could be beneficial i mean look even now before these podcasts i asked chat gpt give me some statistics on this topic and then it just comes up with a bunch of statistics that we can wow. riff off so it's pretty incredible if you use ai properly but um uh, how many jobs are you know uh, gonna go under because of this and also uh there's just so many implications yeah. and I always thought being it's in the creative crazy. industry used... you're safe but actually not um in the creative industry like media and journalism like you said they're just gonna they're gonna um put fake uh, journalists out there giving one variation of a story and, and sort of just propagate yeah. various versions of a story uh, that they want to get out into the public consciousness while potentially minimizing a more important or significant story but yeah, go on. What were you um, going to say? Well, firstly, I was learning that AI is getting so advanced that like over only like a year or two ago when it started kind of trending on social media, you'd be like, oh, ask AI, write a story about lovers. And it would just be like this incoherent little funny story made no sense. But now 
it's full like novels. There's music created by AI, books, um, art, even probably <laughs> comedy skits will be soon. A oh, thing, yeah. who knows? But it's like jokes. literally everywhere. But anyway. Yeah, good. You could use that and be like, write me an original joke. Well, well yeah, but then there's the ethical thing as well. Like then I'm not even writing it. So, but yeah, yeah it's pretty. It's pretty it's creepy. So, yeah. Well, what what it could crazy. do is probably we could take the 120 podcasts we've done, send it into a Chat GPT or Chat GPT like program and say, make 120 more. And then if the uh, deep fake technology is good enough, they could probably just program our faces onto the avatar and, and then actually just reproduce a hundred more podcasts on similar topics in the way that we deliver them. And then there's probably people listening yeah. now thinking, well, how do we know that Neil and Eliza aren't deep fakes right now? And you actually don't at I this mean. point. You don't. You can't tell. There's no way of truly determining um, what's a deep fake and what's not. Usually the deep fakes I see on social media are just obvious comedy sketches where Joe Biden's saying something completely uh, different to what he'd normally say. And so you know, all right, this is a deep fake, this is an AI, but the way it's going, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the potential for, uh, for, for power and for confusion and for manipulation of the entire population, of the entire global population is immense. And, yeah. you know, the next, the next big global conflict will probably involve some kind of... Uh, already a lot of global conflicts involve misinformation and sort of weaponized social media troll farms and things like that. And now uh, it's a matter of time before the next global conflict will maybe even be started by one country using a deep fake of a politician from another country and yeah. uh, expressing a message that uh, elicits a lot of uh, fervor within that country to then yeah. create the conditions for a war. And it's... It's pretty dystopian. Exactly. I was reading about um, a man is using AI to defend him in a court case. So he doesn't have a lawyer. He's literally using AI that can just whip up any law. Isn't that wild? It's so, so crazy to think what this can potentially replace. And then when you put deep, deep fakes in with virtual reality as well, VR technology, does that constitute cheating if you use that because imagine if you use a female you know or a colleague or a friend or someone on the internet then you do a deep fake of her and then you've got her using AI to talk and communicate to you in her voice or whatever um, and you've got virtual reality and you're having sex with it is that cheating or is it not is it porn or is it cheating like uh, it's so Scary. It's a great question. And VR is going to be like the biggest growing porn. I just read that it's like going to be worth, what was it, um, by 2025, one it should be a $1 billion business. Um, so, and it's, yeah, it's going to be a massively growing. And do you know what else I read that was really interesting to me? That 51% of millennials view um, porn as being bad for society but only 30% of Gen X, wait, Gen Y, think that it's bad for society. And millennials are actually the highest amount of group statistic that thinks it's bad for society and everyone else, boomers, um, young people, even teenagers, don't think it is as much as millennials. Because it's harmful. So it's interesting about... I, I, I think we've experienced the worst consequences of it, whereas Gen X and... and mm-hmm baby boomers didn't have it in their teenage years and while they were yeah. sexually developing and figuring their sexual selves yeah. out whereas and and then zoomers are probably just new to it so don't they're super prog- when you're that yeah. young you're just progressive by default and you don't really think deeply <laughs> about these issues but millennials have sort of gone through a phase where a lot of us had access to an unlimited library of free video pornography in our adolescence and we've seen how much that's affected yeah. us physically, emotionally, and how it's affected our cohort in the dating world. And and it makes perfect sense that we'd be against it. Actually, I'm 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 not as shocked. Uh, I I think that does make sense. And I and I wonder if in another couple of years, the 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 Zoomers will also be against porn, and maybe even the other generations will start to realize how impactful it it is. Uh, because it it's yeah. 
It's sort of like alcohol, I I, I think, where, you know, you, when you're first exposed to it, oh, great, it's fun. You have a great time once a week if you have a couple of drinks. But then you start to see the alcoholics in your social circle and you start to see how much it affects people in their mm. personal lives. And then you start to think, oh, even if 80% of people can drink moderately, is this good for society to just put it out there without any restrictions? And I think porn's the, the, the same. Most people yeah, use it moderately and uh, it doesn't control their lives and it's a, it's a nice little release and it's fun. And look, there's all these amazing videos out there and cool, but there are a lot of addicts. There are a lot of people whose lives have been r ruined by porn, definitely their sexual lives. There's also a lot of people being trafficked and being used in a slave-like mm. way uh, for pornographic purposes. So mm. I, I just, I think people basically our age, early 30s, late, mid-20s, have, have endured the consequences, the most negative consequences of uh, free online video pornography and, and thus they're more likely to be, to have a negative view of it. Yeah, I, um, I just heard recently, and I didn't actually fact check this, but I heard that 80 to 90% of videos on Pornhub were just removed recently based on um, it being filmed without consent, illegal, using minors, which constituted the vast majority of their videos. So that was interesting to me. But another factor as well I think to think about is the reason why people are against or for or against porn is it kind of contrast with being sex positive like I people are always surprised me when I say I'm not a really big supporter of porn because I studied sexology or whatever um and I'm a sex positive person people are always shocked to hear that but it's kind of like and when I was talking about my last podcast feeling cringy to talk about how having a baby had so much meaning to me because I felt like it it contradicts my being, you know, feminist at times. Um, you know, I know that's not accurate, but still it's, it is a little bit of a clash with people that are, especially the generations below us that are really sex positive. Um, but I think it's more and more coming out. I am seeing a lot of young people saying, I'm just not going to, I don't want to consume this. And I understand the reason why and blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because my mum came over the other day and she was like, she walks in the door and she's like, Oh, I just had the saddest conversation with my friend. And I was like, oh, my God, what happened? She's like, oh, her daughter was sending explicit videos. And I was like, oh, and? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, to who? She was like, her boyfriend. And I was like, oh, how old was she? 21. I was like, what? <laughs> what's wrong with that? So an, an adult con consensually <laughs> sent videos to her boyfriend in which he didn't distribute them or anything. And my mum was so shocked by it. Um, and I was like, oh, mom, you have no idea. <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, that's that's positive. Uh, I don't know why her friend found out about that and was so shocked, probably snooped on her adult daughter's phone. But, um, yeah, it's just no idea. All the gear but no idea. Yeah, but then that generation actually probably did a lot more than us. Statistically, boomers <laughs> had the most casual sex of any yeah. generation, so... Yeah. Whatever we do online yeah. is nothing compared to what they were doing in the 60s and 70s. In real life, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but look, there's a, there's always a cost to, uh, yeah, sex positive is just this broad sort of phrase that yeah. it can mean a lot of different things to different people. And uh, I I don't know. I don't know what my I, – I sort of vacillate on this issue quite a bit because I – on an individual level, I, I – I can see why it would be unnecessarily hostile and controlling to say you shouldn't do X, Y, Z with your sexuality or with your body or, or shouldn't put X, Y, and Z out online. Uh, but then on a societal level, there's just, like I said, too too many creeps out there and a lot of uh, weird people and there is a very negative aspect of human nature which makes me think certain things probably should be uh Controlled, which is a cost to the individual who might otherwise be a very positive, well-meaning individual who wants to do something. And and I'm talking mainly in the sense of, yeah, pornographic content and things like that here. But um, that there's always like a societal cost to, to 
indulgences, if you will, like like with alcohol or with drugs. Like it's it's it seems uh, contrarian and not not contrarian. It seems sort of dystopian to to restrict people who want to have a joint once a week. And the other argument against that would be, well, if you sort of culturally allow people to do that it becomes far more tempting and then it it opens up the door for people to become addicted and to really hurt themselves by having an unhealthy relationship with various substances and so there's always a cost benefit i just don't think there's a black and white answer to any of these issues and i think there's always a there's an impact to society and then there's a cost to the individual as well and i think it's worthwhile sort of weighing both of those up and and listening to both sides if they're articulating those concerns in good faith and not in a very mean-spirited way um but but coming back specifically to deep fakes you almost mm. get to a point where you think well if i'm i'm a social media person I'm, there's so many images and videos of me on the internet well Mm. If someone's going to make a deep fake porn of me, then what can I do? There's nothing I can do. Well, you know, mm. make sure I look good in it. That's that's all I can think. Um, <laughs> it's sort of at that point, you know, I I, I, I don't know what yeah. there is to, to do, which sucks because a lot of people, especially yeah. if they're really young and have different ideas about sex. And, and this is, as you say, it's just so much more disproportionately affecting women. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty defeatist kind of attitude, but if you're a Twitch streamer and, and there's that much content of you online, what do you do? You almost have to resign yourself to the fact that if there's some creep out there who wants to make a deep fake porn of me, they're probably going to have to do it. They, sorry, they're going to do it. And there's a limited scope right now yeah. as to how I can deal with that, which mm, which kind of exactly. sucks. Yeah, and when... um. When that Twitch streamer I was talking about before made this formal apology about it, what was really sad is that when he was talking about, he was trying to redeem himself, so he was talking about how harmful it is to women, etc. And by bringing the attention to it, when he released that video, oh. the website had such a high amount of traffic that it repeatedly crashed over and over and over again of people trying to be like, I know this Twitch streamer, I'm going to watch her deepfake. And then you think about like, it's not even just the deepfake of pornographic images. It's actual porn. Like you could be deepfaked onto something really, truly horrific. Like you could be deepfaked as an abuser. You could be deepfaked onto a fetish, like scat fetish or something. And imagine if that gets circled around here to try How do you prove that that literally isn't you? And when I was looking up, like, what can you do? There's literally nothing. The advice is is literally just to educate people in and urge them to avoid consuming non-consensual sexual content and familiarise yourself with the way that it affects the mental health careers and relationships of its victims. Like that's like the saddest yeah, possible, sad. hey, here's how we can help you. No, we just have to rely that people won't look into it um, or open it or go finding for it. And then um, it makes me think as well about like, you know, just – I saw a post um, on Reddit in this. There's a, a a subreddit called Ask Women Advice, and this guy posted saying that he he has like a client that he kind of worked with um, who's an attractive female, and he messaged her saying, "Hi, um, I would do, I no longer require your services, but um, I'd like to take you out on a coffee. Like if you're interested." Basically, he asked her out. And then he commented saying, like, you know, why was this a bad thing to do? And every woman was like, you literally fire her and then immediately minimise her to her being a sexual being and someone you're attracted to. Like, I'm not going to hire you and I'm not going to use your services, but I would <laughs> date you and fuck you. Um, and then to think about as well, when that progression or is someone you work with or your boss or someone that you anger to think about from a woman's perspective that if a man I worked with made a deep fake of me doing pornographic whatever, like how violating is that? Um, obviously there's recourse for that with HR, thankfully, but 
you can't the chances of you finding out about that are so minuscule, which is a whole other issue. Like who knows what someone could have an obsession with you um, and have tens of thousands of videos of you and you literally have no idea. Um, someone might have a relationship with you via virtual reality or deep fake and you still oh wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Look, people need to just keep their uh, proclivities in their head and then fantasize as much as you want and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. go home by yourself and use whatever mental imagery you want. But but when you start to distribute these things and start to put them, put them out there and, and then even make money off them, that, that, that that's, it's pretty unethical and there needs to be Or if you just consume anything non-consensual, yeah. that's like, I guess, the bottom line. And then, yeah, it's like this whole concept now is we need digital consent which is something that is so new. There's no laws around it. That's It's a bit It's so unheard. hard to police. Um, it, it's impossible. I can't remember what the set is like every minute, like 10 pornographic websites come up or something like that, like it, or every second or something like wild like that. It's impossible to, to reduce this or remove them. Um, obviously it's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely and they're just going to pop up one place or the other. Anyone can access it. So... Look, it's so um, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, sex is is not something to be toyed with. It was definitely controlled among the population through means like religion or uh, laws, but it's also an incredibly powerful driving force, particularly for men. And it, on a societal level, you have to think about how how we see it and how we utilize it and harness it and uh, allow it to bring the best out of individuals and society allow them to feel a sense of of liberty and and freedom and and not feel like they're being controlled but also not let people indulge in some of these twisted fantasies uh, that clearly are very selfish and and they're not thinking about the the consent of the other person and they may justify it by saying well it's not really them but the likeness is is so profound that it may as well be them. Yeah. So yeah. there has to be uh, there has to be a, a new culture that emerges surrounding this, and and I think people got to start shaming uh, anyone who, who who uses a deep fake of someone. And and look, already I I mean out of my friend group, people say OnlyFans is so popular and things like that. Out of my friend group now, I don't know if they don't say anything. Because they're ashamed about it, but and OnlyFans, obviously, I'm not saying that's the same as a deep fake yeah. porn or anything like that. But people already there's so much shame associated with men who do this sort of stuff, and it's really interesting that it's still so pervasive. Um, I uh, if if any of my friends were on OnlyFans, you know, they'd they'd cop it. They'd, they they wouldn't be. I wouldn't think. Oh, they're mm. That's uh, that's immoral necessarily, but they'd get made fun of. Um, and then def- if any friend was doing any kind of like deep fake porn pedophile stuff, well, then we we, we wouldn't be friends with them anymore. So there, <laughs> yeah. these people seem seem to be already very reclusive and are already off in their little bubble and maybe don't fit in with society. And so then there's no social cost to them doing this sort of thing and and. Maybe that that's different with this Twitch streamer who was caught with it in the, in his background or something. But I I hope that you know his fan base and his followers held him accountable for that and said, yeah. "Look, dude, this is a bit weird." Um, yeah, it's hard because I get, when it's not children, it's it's still a, a, definitely a matter of consent and ethics. Yeah, but you can make the argument. All right, well, what if someone wrote an erotic poem or an erotic novel about someone that they had a crush on and they made that into a comic book you know that's not illegal Mm. it's pretty weird i think people would be quite creeped out if if someone did it but it's happened for a long time a lot of people do that a lot of people write uh erotic novels on on tumblr and on all these sites about yeah fan fiction and, and things like that so you could make the argument that this is just a digital version of erotic fan fiction uh, but it's it's a pretty steep argument, and and the fact he had a wife and things is pretty that's pretty bad. 
I think. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking about God. How humiliating because he, he's looking at deep fakes of his literal colleagues. Like, God, being in that wife's position, I don't know why he put her in the video as well. She literally just sat behind him crying the whole time. Like, I don't know what the point of her. Jesus Christ. Was she there with him in solidarity or was she there to say, I'm so ashamed of him as well? Like, I don't know what the logic was, but God, it's just, <laughs> and that's just someone that's uh, been caught. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's unfortunate and there's really not much you can do to police it other than rely on people's good morals and respect. But I liked your idea that at the very least you could, and kind of easy is to make a law saying like any pornographic video must have a verification that this has been a consensual video of some kind um, uh, to be submitted to be online or something like that. But even then, how do you, I, how do you do that? dark web yeah that's a, that's the question how do you actually do mm. that but then um i guess just thinking about our reaction we're having to this guy the twitch streamer who's been caught watching this uh deep fake porn with his colleagues what would the reaction be if he was just watching porn because again like i like i said at this podcast yeah. i i i always feel a bit guilty when i do it and i'm definitely a lot more in control of it but yeah look i watch porn and i'm sure most men do um i'm sure most yeah. a lot of people do uh, but then we don't seem to have as strong a reaction when it's just a random video on Pornhub. If he was, if it was in the background, people would raise their eyebrows, and maybe some of his more uh, religious fans would would not like him anymore. But I think most people would just sort of roll their eyes and think, "Yeah, typical." Yeah. But then when it's yeah, these well, colleagues that are that are sort of being deep faked into a porn video, we we have a much more visceral gut reaction. Are we are we being hypocritical? Do you think? I don't think so because it's, you know, they haven't consented to that um, and course. it's it's violating whereas porn star has. And it is, it is an interesting point though. I do find it interesting sometimes when people are like, my boyfriend is allowed to watch any porn he likes but he's not allowed to watch um, any OnlyFans because of that parasocial relationship where you feel like, you know, OnlyFans is a big part of it is um, engaging with your audience or having them feel like, they know your personality, for example. Um, so a lot of people, call, you know, make that a boundary in their relationships because it seems like it's crossing a little line too far. Whereas porn on Pornhub or whatever seems so far removed from your relationship. It's no one you know. Usually, um, might be a bit unlikely. It's consensual in most cases, or you'd hope so, at least in the very mainstream ones. Um, that's not really going into whether or not they've been trafficked or coerced. So mm. even then, who knows? Yeah, then, then there's a whole other kettle of fish there as well. Is it mm. even consensual based on how many women are – people have a, lot, a big misunderstanding about sex trafficking where they feel that sex trafficking is when um, you get kidnapped off the streets and you're being forced into a sex ring, which is sex trafficking, but it's the minority. The majority of it is actually someone – that creates a trusting relationship with you and convinces you of this or manipulates you and convert and coerces you into um, doing videos, engaging with it. So this is what Andrew Tate's coming under, under fire for with his sex trafficking. He wasn't kidnapping women. He was making women fall in love with him, basically being in relationships with them, asking them to partake in videos and film themselves and then um, giving him the, the financial what gain that comes from that. Um, so that's a big part of sex trafficking. But then again, it gets down to like the, how could can that be proved to be sex trafficking or can it be proved to be a manager and client relationship or just a, a personal relationship of genuine love where someone became bitter at the end? Like it's really, really um, difficult and it's such a gray area, but that's what, um, people were saying that this Pornhub that's removed majority of its videos is because so much of it came from sex trafficking. And then a really good example of whether it is or isn't is that um, Netflix documentary. I don't know if it's still up there, but it's called Hot Girls Wanted. And it's this guy that owns a house and he gets young porn stars and they're all like freshly 18 or, or maybe it's 21, but I don't know, basically just legal girls that have left, you know, shitty homes, have run away 
and he puts them in a home and he's like, I'll give you a house. You just have to do this. You can make all your own money. And then it's like some people will consider that basically trafficking because he's convinced them that this is um, the best thing for them. He's taken them from a very vulnerable and young position. And then in the video, the girls are also saying like, you know, I'm made to do things I really don't want to. One girl came back to the house after doing a shoot and she was so rattled and upset and was saying like she was made to vomit in a dog bowl and then eat it and then got violently, um, was basically like a rape type video. Um, and you could just seeing the aftermath of it really changed your perspective on porn. I think it's a good thing to watch if you want to watch a documentary. It's super interesting um, and sad at times. It definitely like takes the sex appeal out of porn when you see <laughs> the background of these girls that are in really popular videos that you see where they just look so happy and they're like young, hot, flirty 20-year-olds and then you see them when they go home and it's a totally different story. Yeah, those sorts of – I think we did a podcast really early on about that with um, Mia yeah. Khalifa, didn't we? And Yeah. yeah at what right. point does – does something become a uh, professional manipulation? I suppose I have a, mm. I have a similar view with romantic manipulations. That's a word that mm. people will weaponize uh, and, and, and use it as a way to maybe not even take responsibility for in a situation where they could have expressed clearer boundaries. But then there are also very clearly situations where someone is using uh, social power or financial power to act in a very unethical way. But if people are adults, how much responsibility is on on them to read contracts and to uh, look at the situations they're getting into? Because if you take take it out of porn, say in my industry, in media and, and the arts, there are so many manager talent relationships that uh, yeah. could easily be construed as manipulative. That is an That's extremely so manipulative yeah. situation there where uh, yeah. a manager who's 30 years in the game understands how uh, starry-eyed and ambitious young talented artists are and therefore they sign them up to a ridiculous contract for five or six years where they have to uh, they owe them a, a insane percentage of their earnings and we're not as well versed in how to deal with something like that because it doesn't involve sex and pornography so we don't have that strong visceral reaction to it but what does actually constitute uh, professional manipulation? Because I'm sure anyone listening could could talk about how they've been professionally manipulated by a boss who oh, yeah. made yeah. them work uh, in a way that they didn't necessarily want to work or how, you know, they refrain yeah. from paying them in order to bribe them to do some extra tasks that aren't actually part of it and uh, how much of it is a sort of manipu- a, a, a mutual relationship in in reasonable faith about expecting people to do a certain task and that's a that's a whole other minefield in fact I, we could probably do a whole podcast on professional relationships and and sort of contracts and the the yeah. the psychology of that because yeah i mean even a lot of these black artists come out and say how uh the record label or the tv production company manipulated them and then we'll even yeah. sort of link that to racism when I listen to some of those things and think, well, did you actually read the contract? Uh, mm. And th- there's a minefield there about how much culpability can be held to the the party that's um, getting the unfair positive, the, the unfair benefit of the unequal terms. If they've outlined that in a relatively clear way, uh, how much responsibility lies on the person who agreed to those terms? That's uh, that's a whole other issue, isn't it? And I think when it comes to porn, we have a stronger reaction to it because, and especially if these are sort of eighteen-year-olds who have come from broken homes. But there's a point there where, like, well, what if it's a, you know, what if it's a twenty-two-year-old or a twenty-three-year-old who maybe hasn't yeah, come from a broken home, it but it's poor. Yeah, yeah, and then it's a poor twenty-two-year-old yeah. who's. Yeah just agrees to this then okay were they being manipulated at what time at what point is it is it on the person who Mm. agrees to the terms whether explicitly or implicitly uh whether it's on them necessarily at what point does it actually is it is it illegal but also unethical for for someone who thinks they can get a good deal out of someone to actually get that deal out of them because there's plenty of uh pretty financially minded psychopathic type of people out there that uh 
will not think twice to I mean if if you dealt with any tradies in Western Sydney, they're manipulating everyone, okay? So <laughs> there's um there's a lot of lot to be said there about uh professional manipulation, I think. And and that's not to sort of mm-hmm. denigrate any of the experiences that um people have ex- oh, yeah. have had in, yeah. in the in the sex industry in particular, but um I just think that's a that's a broader issue that would be interesting to do a podcast on. Actually. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well uh yeah, if you're out there on the internet, um I guess Don't deep be, fake be, us. Be, yeah, don't deep fake <laughs> us. And if you deep fake me into some porn, give me a give me a big cock at least. Okay. Uh don't <laughs> make at least make me look good if you're gonna deep fake me into some porn. <laughs> so thank you in advance. Uh but preferably don't. Um and just don't do it. It's it's a bit weird. Um, any final <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> I get don't do that, please. Um, no final thoughts. Just be conscious and aware of what you're consuming for for your sake and for the sake of whoever you're consuming. Well said. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. YouTube.com slash at sex sales podcast. Go and subscribe to that. Share this podcast with someone who you think it would resonate with. Uh, the best way to grow a podcast is through word of mouth and sharing. So, Uh, Help us out, share it to a couple of friends, post it on your socials and follow us on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Follow Eliza on Instagram as well and on TikTok and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you next week.